Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Friday, everyone. Welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that Eric McLean literally just took off his suit jacket <laughs> from the studio. And Mac, we can say happy Friday because we're recording this at 12 11 a.m. Eastern we do. time. Come on, KG. How about that? Backyard brawl. I'm in a hotel room. I'm yelling right now. People right <laughs> beside me are probably pissed. Uh, but you got to be excited. Kicking off the weekend, Pittsburgh in immaculate form. Uh, that defense, my goodness, bend, do not break, and be mm. the reason you win the game. I, I did not see it happening that way, but guess what? It did, and uh, my goodness, what a fun game. An epic battle, an epic backyard brawl. It makes me feel like these games should happen more and more, these <laughs> no regional question. rivalries. That's what makes college football so great. Speaking of that, Mac, I'm not I'm trying to not be too loud because my husband is literally asleep right up there. <laughs> this is the difference between different jobs, and you know this. Nick has to go engineer at six AM, but we are doing That's football, right. and That's so we're talking at, at twelve fifteen in the morning. But Mac, okay, overall, let let's start with the defense because I saw Pat Narduzzi's comments on the huddle that I was just watching that you were just on moments ago. And he said, he's like, guys, I'm hot. I am so mad about our rush defense. Some of the things he was saying in the press conference, it was almost like they lost, which to me feels like Pitt is starting to really hold itself to a different standard, which I think is a good sign. Well, and, and you know, I think what's so interesting is you know, they, they didn't play to their standard, not even close. I mean, those guys rushed for right at 200 yards, maybe mm-hmm. over it. Um, I've got so many numbers and things in my head. I, I know, I know. Finished. Um, but that, not what we're used to seeing at all from Pittsburgh. And by the way, that was an air raid offensive attack. It wasn't like this heavy run attack. They, they were just wide open lanes. Guys were easily getting blocked. And guess what? Coach is going to get fired up, and he's going to light those guys uh, a a new fire. And, you know, what's going to be interesting, KG, is was there a little bit of complacency? Was there a little bit of reading the press clippings? And we're this big, bad defensive line, and, you know, we're just going to impose our will. And, man, they got hit in the mouth. Now, listen, when it mattered the most, those guys stepped up. I I thought John Morgan played out of his mind. He was all over the field. Uh, Cansey, you know, his presence was felt. Uh, Haba, his presence was felt. They didn't quite get home, but they were right there. And Servasi mm-hmm. at the end of the game, my gosh, that big sack that he had to really just put, you know, West Virginia in a terrible spot there. Um, ben, don't break. When it matters most, yeah. what can you do? You want us the game. It was very impressive to see, but that they've got a lot of work to do. And, uh, you know, some some good good lessons will be learned in the film room, KG. But lessons are always feel the best when they come after a win. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> You'd rather learn lessons after a game like this. I think the, the way that West Virginia was able to stay on the field on third down yeah, was yeah. the biggest thing to me. That was the biggest thing. There was the one where JT Daniels literally just chucked the ball like this. And somehow... Uh, they catch it and Pitt doesn't bat the ball down. And, and Narduzzi was mad about that at the halftime interview. But these are all very fixable things. Yeah. And in the end, Pitt, I liked this, Mac. Pitt stayed who they were. They yeah. didn't get less aggressive down the stretch 
when at times their secondary was struggling. They they doubled down on their secondary, and then they got the big pick six. That honestly was the difference in this game as Pitt won by seven. So that's what Pitt does. It's no surprise to you and I who cover this team, but they're not going to change what they do, and I really respect that. Yeah, no, no question about it. And I, I think you have to give them all the credit in the world for – staying confident in their guys and in each other to, to go and make those plays. I mean, my goodness, when, when you have so many negative things happen to you where guys are just screaming down the field, they're, they're throwing back shoulder fades right over your head as, as they score a touchdown, and you could get down and you could start pouting, and pit defense didn't do that. So you have to give them kudos for that. And then offensively, KG, the, the, the man, it was like figuring out your identity as a game was going on. Yeah. I mean, we saw power. We saw – um, you know, these jumbo sets. We, we saw spreading it out and trying to do jet sweeps and figuring out, okay, who's going to be our receiver? It was like we're going to Bub Means early and often, and then we're going to go to John Wayne a little bit, and then we're going to go to Mumpfield, and let's enter the, the running backs for two huge, amazing plays uh, and one that scored a touchdown. So I, I really think that this pit offense, number one, has a long way to go. That uh, they've got to figure it out. They've got to figure out who they want to be identity-wise. Throwing the football, you know, Keaton, I, I think what's crazy is I'm getting texts and I'm seeing on Twitter that, you know, this guy's a bum. He's not the guy. Listen, that man threw for 67%. Uh, he made plays. 300-plus you know, yards, a touchdown. By the way, a ton of drops. He got sacked five times. He wasn't protected very well. Pittsburgh's going to be fine. They, they just have to figure it out. Uh, but they need to figure it out in a hurry, KG, because Rocky Top is coming and yeah. uh, they're going to want to avenge that loss from a year ago. Well, uh, Tennessee is, yes. I, I think with Keaton Slovis, like it was still game one. I thought he outplayed right. JT Daniels, which was really his job in this game. The sacks were the most concerning, five sacks. Of course, some of that is on the O-line, and, and Mac's going to have to go back and watch that to tell us exactly who to blame, which is Mac's favorite game, <laughs> when he always says, look, the O-line is one unit. You can't blame one person. But – a few of those sacks were very costly, and so that's something that yeah. Keaton Slovis has to work on. But I thought the receivers, and I kept thinking of what you were saying, that a guy like Mumfield can be that Jordan Addison figure that they yeah. need. I thought Mumfield made some huge plays. Jared Wayne had some massive catches. And Rodney Hammond, he was really the breakout star. And what I really liked about this game, Mac, Rodney Hammond, breakout star, just bulldozing people. But who stayed ready? Abanacanda. He yeah. stayed ready for his moment and had that touchdown pass. That's a veteran move to not get down on yourself when they put the young guy in over right. you and, and effectively bench you for a little part of the game. I thought that was huge, and that really spoke to Pitt's culture. I don't think there's any question about it. This team's going to keep growing, keep continuing to get better. I think this is just the start for Pitt. It is, indeed. All right, Eric McLean, it is time for our big three breakdown. We have so many games to talk about for the weekend. I will add this. Let me preface this. We are not talking Clemson Georgia Tech until Monday's episode because that game is on Monday. We have time. There's so many games. There's so many days. Yes. (laughs) So today we are simply talking about seven games. That's it. No big deal. Super fast. Uh, But we have a lot to get to with these. And as we did last year, we're doing we're picking the three biggest games to us of the weekend. And we're breaking those down in depth, and then we'll kind of speed around the rest of the games. But we're also giving you spread picks for every single game. Come on, KG. I'm excited. I'm excited to, you know, make some people some money to talk about these great (laughs) games. As you mentioned, there's only, you know, 700,000 that we have to talk about. That's the beauty of -of out-of-conference play and, and week one. So let's jump into it. Let's do this thing. Okay. Let's start with a rivalry 
that really is a rivalry. I mean, these two hate each other. I would say ECU hates NC State perhaps a little more, but we're talking <laughs> NC State at East Carolina, number 13, NC State. Now, this series is very interesting. They've played 31 times, Mac. NC State leads 18 to 13. Not sure why they're going to Greenville. They've done it before. They've lost before. Their last loss to ECU was in Greenville, North Carolina in 2016, 33 to 30. Now, none of the guys on this team played in that game. But there's something about this game, UNC going to App, Virginia Tech going to Old Dominion. All of it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why we're agreeing to these home and homes. But you know what? I'm not an athletic director. I'm not in charge. Overall, I think we expect NC State to go out there and put up a good performance. ECU last year was kind of middle of the pack in the AAC defensively. So NC State should handle their business on offense. That's what you're thinking here. Mike. Yeah, and, and obviously defense. You know, I think that this team, um, I think this NC State team is going to be out to prove people we, we are not this historical NC State team. When, when there's expectation, when there's this and that, you know, we, we can't meet it. Throw all that out the window because these guys, they're ready to play. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that they certainly are going to uh, – Want to remind everybody of that. And and you have a great platform here. I mean, a noon kick on ESPN, everybody's going to be tuning in. Everybody's going to be watching. And you know, really, you you get to kick off that, you know, championship hunt that, that NC State is on, you know, right now. So excited to see that. Excited to see how they're going to do it. And really just to finally get this team on the field. You know, there's so much hype. There's so much excitement right. for NC State, KG. I'm just ready to see them go out and play. Which part of NC State's offense are you most intrigued by? Which part do you feel like needs to have the best performance? And I'll give you two options here, two question marks. Is it Jordan Houston replacing those guys that were super productive last year at the running back position? I think the running game and and having more of a running game is going to be really important for NC State. We've talked about that uh, in previous episodes. Or is it Anthony Belton replacing top five pick Icky Iquanu drafted by the Panthers at left tackle? Which one are you... Do you need to see more from that? You know what? It's interesting that the way you kind of say that because I, I think it's it's almost going to the back to the mindset of of Coach Dorn, right? Like we can't replace Icky. We we just have to move yeah. on, and, and the next guy runs out. And Anthony, obviously being you know six six three thirty, they love him out there. They they think he's going to be the next kind of guy up there. Um, I, I I don't know. It, it's something where I think he's going to be just fine. But if you're thinking of it from a man, is this guy blowing people over every single play? Is he going to be as good as Icky? Then I think you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed. So for me, I want to see that run game. I want to see that running attack, and they kind of go yeah, hand in hand, right? Like you can't do one without the other. They're the offensive lineman and the running back because you know Jordan Houston has been a guy that we saw flashes of a year ago, and, and Coach Dave Doran sat right here on this podcast and said, look, he's not a new starter for us. We know what we're going to get from him. We're excited that he you know, is going to have more opportunity now. So – to see that growth from him, I think it's going to be instrumental. But one guy that he highlighted that I had to go back and, and listen to this just to remember who he said was Demi Sumo. And he's just a guy, KG, that coach lit up about. He said he's big, he's huge, he's strong, he can pass protect, he's going to run the ball in between the tackles. So excited to see what does that one-two punch look like and can they be more effective running the football? That That's my biggest question for this team going into the season. And here's a, a place where you can start – Like we said, ECU wasn't exactly great against the run last year. I think the other reason why, and you can tell we're kind of leaning towards this when you look at the spread, NC State's an 11.5-point favorite. 
I think we're both leaning towards NC State covering. And one of my main reasons here is because Devin Leary doesn't turn the ball over. When you go on the road into what's going to be a hostile environment and a good environment, South Carolina almost lost at ECU last year. If you take care of the football, you don't give the other team a chance to get the crowd super into it. You don't let the other team believe if they get a pick six early or something crazy. NC State is not going to do that. I don't think Devin Leary is going to do that. Five picks all of last year. They're going to take care of the ball. That's another reason why I'm not sure ECU is going to be able to stay in this one. The other reason, too, Mac, noon kick. I always think it's better for the road team, especially when you're going into a hostile environment, for the game to be at noon. Mm -hmm. Uh, ECU perhaps is a bit of a party school. I I don't know for sure. I don't have the numbers on that, Mac. They are. Trust me. (laughs) I think some students might – you know, not even be done at the tailgate at a noon game. Okay, so I think that helps. And that right there is the power of the pack. That sounded like a wolf. That is Max Dog, but that sounded like a wolf. You got to love it. Listen, this isn't live TV, but it's as close as you can get to it. Sam's going nuts. She's excited about the wolf pack. She's ready to roll. Um, And, and, you know, for for the reasons that you kind of brought up there briefly with Devin Leary, I mean, listen, this guy is going into year three as the starter. Same offensive coordinator, same offense. The ownership and comfort level that we're going to see from him is going to be tremendous. And, and, you know, when you're talking with some of these coaches and, you know, okay, you're looking at the future and not saying that this will happen in this game, but they said, listen, we are keeping Devin in the game. He, he deserves this recognition. He deserves these awards and trophies that could come from this season. So I'm excited to see it. I, I hope he throws just – a lights-out game, that picture-perfect start, and then we get this season jacked up offensively for the Wolfpack. And I think the biggest thing defensively, ECU does return a good bit. Holton Ehlers, their quarterback, is back. They return um, a loaded running back room. I mean, they have some weapons, but the in-state defense should be able to handle this. I think the biggest thing, Mac, as we're going to think this probably every week for NC State, stay healthy. That, that's the biggest key for them, right? Just can, can these guys remain on the field? Because they are loaded. And, and it's a nuts unit, especially when you look at that linebacker core. I think the best in the country. Drake Thomas is, is your big hitter there. He's the guy that was forced into some uncomfortable situations a year ago when everybody got hurt. Peyton Wilson, really the rangy uh, line linebacker that can do a lot of different things for you. And then Isaiah Moore, who is the alpha. He's the guy that is going to be the vocal leader. He's going to be the guy that sets the defense. So I'm excited to see all that, see those guys stay healthy. And then just this defensive backfield as well. I mean, it's led by Tanner Engel, uh, Tyler Baker-Williams, Shaheen Battle. Those guys in the secondary are going to be really, really dominant this year as well. And so that's why I think NC State can end up being one of the best defenses in the entire country. Okay, before we make our pick here on the number, again, NC State favored by 11 and a half. Mac's going to give you a key to the game, but first I'm going to give you my stat to know for this game. Come on. We've thrown out a few things, especially when you're picking against the spread. This is kind of a two-parter stat. I can't leave any of this out, okay? (laughs) Dave Doran overall is 2-2 and against ECU in his time at NC State. However, NC State's won the last two games against ECU by a combined score of 92-9. to So the last two games, NC State has handled its business. The other thing to keep in mind, though, as we're talking about the spread, NC State is 5-13 and 13 against the spread in their last 18 road games. Wow. Man. There's your stats, Mac. Okay, well, 
that you should have went second, so that could lead right into to why <laughs> I think they're going to blow that out the door, um, which goes hand-in-hand hand with my key. I mean, you just have to be who you are. You you have to go out and dominate. You have to go out and show, hit, throw all those history books that KG just threw in our face out the window because this is a new team. We're, we're old. We're experienced. We've been there, done that. And I, I think that if these guys want to you know, do the thing set in front of them, which is championship expectation, you do that in week one right here against an opponent that you should, you know, be fine with uh, in a G5 opponent. You got to do it from Jump Street, KG. Do they cover, Matt? I'm letting you go first. Ladies first here. Okay. Uh, I think they do. I think NC State covers. And I think it's a little lazy to look at this game and say, oh, it's NC State. <laughs> They're going to find a way to underachieve, not necessarily lose, but, you know, be in a close game, et cetera. I really think this team is different. Now, I may be proven wrong. I don't know. But this team is so experienced, so good, so talented, so confident. I think they cover at ECU. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they. you take the points. You go with NC State. And, and I do think it, it's going to be under, though. And the reason why mm. is because that, you know, NC State defense is just going to be so good. I think they lock it up. And, you know, really, again, from week one, they want to make a point and say, look, we are that team. They're, uh, you know, opening game a year ago was a shutout. It's like 45 to zero. I'm not sure if they'll quite do that, uh, but I do think that that defense is going to be on full display and clearly at full strength to start the season. And that total is at, oh, I just had it. Where is it? 51 and a half. That is, that's pretty low, but I, I see your point there, Mac. I'm not sure how much ECU is. <laughs> 49 to zero, still under. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. I think it's going to be you know pretty lopsided in this game. All right, let's get to our next game here in our big three breakdown. Arguably the most important game of the whole weekend. And, <laughs> I doubt it's going to be what our listeners think I'm about to say, but it's Louisville at Syracuse because this is a divisional game, the only divisional game, the only conference game that we have this weekend. So that's, or sorry, and Clemson, Georgia Tech, but of the games we're talking about on this podcast. And both of these teams, the goal, I think the base goal is to get to six wins. When you look at both of their schedules, there's a lot of landmines out there. I think this is a huge game for both of them to get to that six win mark. Mac, as you, and I'm, I'm curious about this as a former player, as you look at this game, which is 8 p.m. ACCN on Saturday night, Louisville's a four-and-a-half-point favorite, as you look at this game, how much does it matter that Louisville beat Syracuse 41-3 to not too long ago on November 13th? I mean, it is long ago, but it was the third-to-last game of the season. How much do you take that into account when looking at this game? I've got to tell you, I cannot remember situationally was somebody hurt? Were there a couple of guys hurt? You know, what what was the circumstance of the game? I know it was late in the year, but I, I can't remember exactly where and what was happening at that given time. But with that regard, throw it all out the window. I do not care. I don't care. Uh, and if you were the team, if you were Louisville, the team that did it, you can't care about that. It, it's a new team. It's a new year, a new season, and it's the first game of the year. So you, you have to totally throw all of that out the window. And I think if, if you're thinking about that at all, either way, you, you've already put yourself in a bad position, right? Because you're either not giving enough respect or you're, you're, you're kind of bowing out and bowing down to, to start here. So I'm with you. I can't wait to see this game. I, I think it means so much. The fact that it is division play that you're starting off, uh, you know, from jump with two of the most electrifying players in the ACC and Malik Cunningham for the mm-hmm. quarterback. Uh, for Louisville there, and then running back Sean Tucker for Syracuse. And and what's crazy is, again, a year ago, as you just brought up, Louisville had their way with Sean Tucker, under 100 yards rushing, uh, and and 
Hughes could not contain Louisville, could not contain Cunningham as he went for over five touchdowns. So are we going to see more of an explosion? Are we going to see more of an equal output by each offense? Because, listen, when I look at Louisville first, kind of specifically here, last year they were the team of mystery. Didn't know what I was going to get from them each and every week. Can they change to be the team of consistency where we know, okay, we've got this great quarterback. We know that what we're going to get from them. We have a really solid offensive line. We have a stable of running backs. And defensively, my goodness, there's stars all throughout that thing. So can we predict what we're going to see each and every week from these guys? And I think when you have as good a player as Malik, who's a four-year starter, who does all the things that you just can't coach, like his ability – to just go out there and play and create are, are tremendous, KG. And, and I think that we just really have to see that take a step. And we have to really see that come to fruition where he's running all over you. He can throw it with ease. He's extending the play and hitting the big targets. And he's making you know really good, really smart decisions. When I look at this game, Mac, the two thoughts that come to mind for me are, as you mentioned, who's going to step up to help out Malik Cunningham? Who's yeah. going to be the leading receiver? Right. Could be Marshawn Ford. He only had two catches in that game back in November. But who's going to step up there? Who's going to step up at running back? I think it's very curious, and you pointed this out, um, that Jalen Mitchell is so low on the depth chart, and he ran for 100 yards in this game last mm-hmm. year. That's very odd. And then for Syracuse, can Garrett Schrader play yeah. quarterback? Right. With his arm. I mean, that's the real question because last year they were so one-dimensional in this game. Garrett Schrader passed for 46 yards. There's only so much Sean Tucker can do. There has to be a threat of something else. And if not, I think this game could go similarly. So I am so interested to see the creativity with the new OC up there at Syracuse Mm -hmm. in Anai. And, and if they put Schrader in these positions where they can be a bit more creative, and I think it is good, to your point, the November game was so long ago, but new OC, new season, I think Louisville, they can watch that game from November, but I don't think it matters much because I do think Syracuse is going to try to bring some different things offensively. Yeah, and, and just when you look at the defense of Louisville, I mentioned those guys with Diaby and uh, Abdullah and Montgomery and Keetre Clark. You know, like they have to continue to – keep growing and getting better. And we know how good Yusur Abdullah was a year ago at getting after the quarterback, making plays behind the, the, the line of scrimmage there. But as you just mentioned, the, the, the OC is, you know, a guy in Robert and I that is so creative and he's going to put mm-hmm. people in a lot of different situations. I fully expect him to move Sean Tucker around and, and to flex him out, motion him back in just to give you different looks. So, so you don't know what you're, what you're really seeing and, to put Sean in the best situation to win. Is that, you know, doing swing passes? Is that putting him in the slot and motioning him by doing a jet sweep? You know, how can we help that young man, you know, be successful to where we're not just relying on let's run between the tackles, figure it out. He's going to get hit a thousand times, you know, try to limit that and, and, and make him certainly go. But I think really that the key to the season, not just this game in particular, but the key to the season is Garrett Schrader's throwing ability. Now yeah. there's no question that one, two punch running it is freaky, and you know people love when I say that word, but it, it truly is because he has that ability to you know just be an extra weapon and, and to be that guy when when you have an extra hat blocking, whether it's a running back or fullback, and and now your quarterback can put you in those you know situations that you feel really good about that attack, and and just can he get it going with his arm? The accuracy was around fifty percent a year ago. That has to drastically improve, and just pushing the ball downfield. 
But here's the deal. He has to have people step up with him, right? Like these wide yeah. receivers, they have to do something. They have to get it going. Um, offensively, it, it is going to be interesting to see what Syracuse looks like. On the defensive side of the ball for Syracuse, my goodness, you, you have a huge task in front of you in, in covering a guy in Cunningham who, who can do so many things with his arms, with his legs as a playmaker. But you've got a really good you know, back half of your defense. When you look at that back eight, and I look at the linebackers and led by Michael Jones there, it, it's so impressive to see. Marlo Wax, Stephen Thompson, you look at two, I think, of the best corners in the entire conference and Garrett Williams and yeah. Darian Chestnut. Like, those guys have to be athletic, have to rally, and have to contain Cunningham. And if you can do that, then you've got a real shot. What's weird is last year in this game, Malik Cunningham didn't really run the ball that much. He right. killed him with his arm. Yeah. So that's something these linebackers and corners have to be ready for. Mac, I'm going to ask you a simple question, okay? Don't elaborate. Just pick one of, one of the two possibilities I give you. In the end, if you're trying to go out there and win a football game, would you rather have a dynamic quarterback or a dynamic running back? Quarterback, 10 out of 10 times. No question. I think I'm taking Louisville. <laughs> I think I'm taking Louisville. I, I really think – look, a couple of years ago – Let's not forget Lamar Jackson got his Heisman campaign started when he supermaned a guy in, right. at Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. That's right. Not saying that's going to happen, but <laughs> I think this game is so close. And obviously with the spread, Louisville minus four and a half. I, I think I'm, especially because there's so many new things on both sides, I think I'm just going to give the edge to Malik and ride with Malik. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad pick at all. And, and I think, again, when you look at the points, minus four and a half, I'm rocking with Louisville, and I'm actually going to go the over here. I think both of these offenses mm. you know, are, are going to get it going. It's week one. You see some mistakes defensively. You know, the offenses are normally humming, So, and, and there's experience on both sides there. So I'm going Louisville with points, and I'm going to go over for the point total here. My stat for this game has to do with Malik Cunningham. Come on. I tweeted this out the other day. Malik Cunningham posted a better PER last year, QB rating, than Lamar Jackson did in 2016 and a higher completion percentage than Lamar Jackson did in 2016 by nearly six percentage points. <laughs> now, that doesn't tell the whole story, okay? <laughs> Lamar still had more touchdowns and all these things. But my point with that stat is Malik Cunningham's really good. What, what is your key for this game, Mac? Yeah, the, the key is I'm kind of going backwards of what I just said and, and thinking that there's going to be the over. But I think the key is whose defense can step up. You know, for Louisville, mm -hmm. can you yes. shut down Sean Tucker again? And I, I can't remember. Was he injured? Was it just a great scheme was at the end of the year this man's just worn out uh but they held them late in the year that was part of it yeah too. so they just held them i mean to under 100 yards and and q scored three points like my goodness obviously you do that again you're feeling really good about your situation and then for q's you know just contain cunningham you know don't let him just kill you like he did uh had a qbr of of like 98 last year in this game threw for five touchdowns, you know, did enough with his – or excuse me, was responsible for five touchdowns, did enough with his legs where he makes you uncomfortable. So, you know, really the, the key is going to come down to what defense shows up and who's going to be able to, to win the game for their offense. Completely agree. This game is in the Carrier Dome, so keep that in mind. Uh, but Mac and I are both taking Louisville to cover the four and a half. All right, our final game of the Big Three Breakdown, Sunday night, prime time. Come on. The only game on. Pretty cool to think, Mac, the Sunday night game and the Monday night game, both primetime games, only games on, both feature an ACC team. That's right. And again, we'll talk Clemson-Georgia Tech on Monday's episode. But we've got Florida State facing LSU. Now, this is technically a neutral site game. It's in New Orleans. Come on now. 7.30 p.m. ABC, as we said, Sunday night. LSU is a three-point favorite. 
My favorite quote leading into this game, Mac, is when Brian Kelly said, Florida State played a game, and that's an advantage for them. The advantage for us is that we haven't played. That is just wise words from Brian Kelly there. Um, that makes me feel like the ceiling is the roof. The advantage is the advantage. I don't, I don't know what he's saying there. But I, I think what's interesting about this game, Mac, is FSU has played. LSU not only hasn't played, hasn't announced their quarterback, has a brand new coach, all these different unknowns. FSU is definitely the team we know more about. Sure. No, no question about it. And, and they looked the part last week, right? I mean, that, that's what you know we thought they could do is run the ball very effectively, lean on that offensive line, rely on that three-headed monster at running back, and, and they did so. And you know, Jordan Travis still shined and, and showed that there was growth in his ability to be the eraser and, and those small problems that I think a year ago would have been massive problems he took care of and, and you know, went through his reads, made some very nice throws, escaped the pocket, et cetera. Um, he's going to have to play the game of his life because this defensive line for LSU is nasty. They get after yeah. the quarterback and, and, you know, rinse repeat at that university, you know, they, they have enough guys and they bring in enough guys where it's just the next man up. And, and so they have a couple of really key players there that, the, the thing is, though, Jordan can just create in such electric ways that, you know, folks aren't used to seeing that. So, you know, when it's a, a little arm tackle, he's able to break free and, and you know, later downfield, there's a 50-yard bomb. Those are the type of things that he has to just do on a routine basis. Now, do you hope he has time and he can sit back there and throw all day if he needs to? Yeah, absolutely. But how does he react? How does he create when there's pressure, when there's adversity? And then same thing. You know, with this running back room, I mean, they all went three guys went for 100 plus last week. OK, I'm, I don't think they will be able to do that again, but we have to see similar effort. I have to be able to see running through arm tackles, breaking tackles, eluding one guy that's left in the box, picking up that extra hat. So I think if they can get, you know, 250 as a group, then you're feeling, man, that this is OK. This is us like this is our identity. This is who we're going to be. And what an amazing accomplishment. So. I think we'll see that. The offensive line, huge test. They've got to keep going forward and hopefully get some guys healthy and back. And then wide receivers. You know, if, if they have to have a bigger role in this game, are they up for the task? You know, consistency, I think, is going to be the name of the game for that group in, in this year just because, again, last year we saw the, the, the most receptions or the most receiving yards was at like 300. You have to blow that out of the water. You have to be reliable. You have to have – go-to guys, and, and I think we saw some young men emerge, but the consistency piece certainly going to be a thing. First of all, if FSU rushes for 250 yards, then FSU is winning this football game. Yeah. I think that is for sure. Now, <laughs> I think the goal, if, if they can rush for, for 150, uh, <laughs> 170. No, seriously, Mac, against this D-line? Are you kidding me? Well, here, here's the deal. This D-line is much better at – rushing the passer than they are stopping the run. So sure, 250 was FSU probably O-line, a massive number. That is probably true. <laughs> I think with the FSU O-line, I know they're improved, but I need to see it on a stage like this. I Absolutely. need to see them hold up against these guys. And part of it is, you know, you have Jordan Travis, who's a dual threat guy who can beat people with his legs. So I think that's going to help. And I think you're going to have to, there's no protecting Jordan Travis in this game. I think he has to use his legs he has to, and he will. He's never really shied away from that. But can they run the ball and that can set up the pass? I think that's the biggest thing with FSU. And then defensively, Kayshawn Boutte, who is Freak. that dude. Yeah. 
Um, he can almost beat you by himself. He's so slippery. He's so hard to take down. Whichever quarterback is out there for LSU, which he's still, Brian Kelly's still saying they're not sure. It's either Jaden Daniels or um, Garrett Nussmeyer, the retro freshman, who actually looked really good in their spring game. So you got to prepare for both. But I think that's the biggest question is you got to keep the ball out of Butte's hands however you can. To me, he's the guy that can beat you. Right. And the good thing for FSU is their secondary has been a real strength. strength. Right. They've been able to, you know, be guys to maybe not eliminate, you know, personnel quite like that, but they can certainly help and they can do things, you know, with Jamie Robinson over the top or, you know, if they feel really good about, you know, going one-on-one one side, they have that safety nickel help on, on the other side and certainly going to be a factor. I mean, if you if you can limit, you know, that young man, then you feel really good about your chances. And, you know, really just looking at this defensive line for FSU as well, LSU is going to be rolling some young, inexperienced dudes out there on the mm-hmm. offensive line. Can you take advantage of that? Can you, you know, exert your will, make them go backwards, speed up that quarterback's thought process, to where he makes some mistakes or is on the ground. Like at the end of the day, handle it up front. You don't have to worry about anything in the back, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see the scheme, the attack, and ultimately which line of scrimmage uh, can do the most damage. The location of this game worries me, Mac. New Orleans. (laughs) I saw something on Twitter where FSU has sold out its allotment of 30,000 tickets. So that's a good sign. And the um, Superdome's under construction. I think it seats about 70 right now. But should I be worried? I, I still feel like this is this is a tough thing for FSU fans to go play in New Orleans, which is literally LSU's backyard. Yeah, it, it certainly is a home game. But I think it's gonna feel that way. I think that's why this is you know only at minus three. I think it's because it, it's essentially a home game. I think if this was in like Texas or in Miami, where, wherever, anywhere that's a true neutral site, um, Atlanta, Atlanta, which both of those things that I gave you weren't really super neutral. Um, Atlanta would be better. Um, then I, I think it, it would be even. I think that's what we would see from Vegas. And so I, I think if, if you see that and, and you understand this is a true pick who do you feel better about? A team that has not played a snap or a team that went through a game and, and got some of those kinks out? So with that in mind, I, I'm taking FSU with the points. I think they cover. I think they really get this season off you know, going with a, with a bang here, and I'm going to take the under. I think there's going to be a bit of a defensive struggle and, you know, ultimately the, the, the defense that does the most uh, will we'll get the W here. Oh, Mac, I think this is our first disagreement here on the pod today. Probably, and probably wise, probably wise. Here's my number to know. The Seminoles are a combined 9-12 and 12 against the spread under Mike Norvell. Now, there's no doubt FSU's heading in the right direction under Mike Norvell, but those against the spread numbers are not very promising this game is in New Orleans, as we have discussed at nauseum. I think it's going to be close. I think FSU, it's going to be a really good showing on Sunday night. But unfortunately, similar to last year when they had a great showing against Notre Dame, I, I'm not sure that there's, it's going to be enough. And hopefully FSU can still build on this. But to me, I'm, t- I'm taking LSU minus the points. I just think it's the smart play. But I think it's going to be a really good game. Are you taking the under or over? What do you think? <sighs> I don't love totals as much as you, but I mean, they're important. <laughs> 51 and a half. To me, the spread think? is just like the thing. <laughs> sure. But at 51 and a half, I think under, just because LSU doesn't even know who their quarterback is. I mean, maybe they do, but <laughs> I, I think under is, is smart there. And I think under in general in, in week one games is, is generally pretty smart. That's, What's agree. your key, Mac? We I didn't agree. get to your key in this game. Yeah, I kind of, 
you know, eased into it there, but running the football. I mean, if you're Florida yeah. State, to, to win this game, you know, you have to run the ball effectively. You have to be able to move the chains and stay out of, you know, adverse situations. If, if Florida State is looking at, you know, third and 14, uh, second and 15, every other, you know, down, then it's going to be a long night and it's going to be something that's super hard to overcome. But if you can just chip away, chip away, chip away, we look up and, you know, you've run the ball very effectively, you, you get this W. I can't wait. Come on. Cannot and you control the clock. Sunday like, obviously, night. you want to hold that ball and, and shorten the game as much as you can. Right. As much right. as you can. Definitely. Okay, Mac, it's time for the speed round. Come on. We have four more games to run through here. We'll give you our picks on these as well. A couple thoughts. And um, like we said, the theme is ACC teams going on the road to random tiny schools. I don't know why. <laughs> Let's start with Virginia Tech at Old Dominion, 7 o'clock ESPNU. Virginia Tech is a 7.5-point favorite. Old Dominion went 6-7 and seven last year. They were blown out by Wake in the first game of the season. Old Dominion weirdly plays Virginia Tech, ECU, and Virginia wow. in the first three games of the season. So they just get to play whoever they want all the time. And many people will remember the last time Virginia Tech went to Old Dominion, they lost 49-35 to in 2018. Virginia Tech was overranked. They were 10th in the preseason poll. All that being said, Mac, Grant Wells, his debut as the starter. What do we need to see from Virginia Tech in this game? Yeah, really just the, that DNA with, with defense at the core emerge, right? I, I want to see those guys flying around. I want to see them dominate. Uh, the linebackers specifically, they're long, rangy guys, uh, which is, is kind of strange. Their defensive linemen are like these little short, stocky guys. It's kind of like a reverse of what you maybe typically would think. So mm-hmm. just want to see those guys running around, you know, doing big-time things. When, when you look at – you know, Dorian Strong, Chamari Connor, uh, Nazir Peoples in the, the secondary there, making plays, hitting people, not being afraid. No MAs. These are older guys that, you know, have been around, been there, done that. And, of course, with Dax, you know, running the defense and, and being that extension of Coach Pry, um, that's what I want to see defensively. On the offensive side of the ball, I, I think we're going to see the best quarterback play, the best offensive attack that maybe we've seen in years from Virginia Tech just because – the consistency that Grant Wells in his career has has played with. I know he had a little bit of a turnover problem a year ago, but you know you would hope the the skill players he's around certainly going to be better. And, and I think Caleb Smith is you know he's the go to guy. Who else can emerge? And so this is a game you should figure all that out. You're on the road, so you get a little test there uh, before you come back home and play BC in week two. I'm taking Virginia Tech to cover here. Virginia Tech minus seven and a half. I don't love the games at seven o'clock. People are going to be wild. (laughs) Honestly, Mac, if this team, if ODU was better, if Virginia Tech was playing at App, I'd probably take App. But (laughs) ODU's not at a great point in their program. I know they're about a 500 football team. So I'm going to take the Hokies. Yeah, I'm taking the Hokies as well. And I'm going under here. I, I think until proven otherwise, you know, we still need to actually see this offense score points and be able to move the mm. football. So yeah. until they do that, I'll, I'll be rocking the under with Virginia Tech. A defensive battle, I think. Yeah, a scrum. A scrum, if in you In that will. game. All right, how about Duke and Temple? Duke is a seven-point favorite, 7.30 p.m. on ACC. And this is Mike Elko's debut. They're playing the Temple Owls. Temple went 3-9 and nine last year. They have Dewan Mathis, the Georgia transfer. He's been injured, so we'll see how he looks. But Duke's hosting this game, and just like Virginia Tech, it's a debut for a brand-new coach. That's right, and, and a, a new quarterback, QB1 and, and yes. Riley Leonard, you know, getting the nod here. Going to be leading the way for the Blue Devils. I think that 
know, he was the better passer of the group and, and still a, a pretty decent athlete. So, you know, I think they kind of move in the right direction and get this offense really going. I would expect to see Jordan Moore be involved in the offense. He's, he's too good of a playmaker to just be sitting on the sidelines. So, you know, similar with some of these quarterback battles we've seen in the past, just figure out ways to get them in the game, get them involved with the offense. Uh, one guy that, my goodness, KG, needs to be involved heavily is Jalen Calhoun. That guy needs to touch the football double-digit times throughout the game, whether you're handing it to him, pitching it to him, whatever. Find him a way to get the rock. He's your most explosive player by far, and, and he's a, an important piece. So certainly want to see that. Then the defensive side of the ball, Shaka, Big Dwayne, th- those guys are very impressive leaders, very well-spoken guys. That They'll be you know doing huge things in the community whenever they decide to hang it up, um, but need to see them – you know, take ownership of that defense, get everybody rolling, fundamentally sound, no missed tackles, not getting blown off the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's what you want to see here in, in game one. I think Duke covers. I'm taking Duke minus seven just because Temple has has really struggled lately. I am worried because Duke does have the nightmare of losing to Charlotte last year. Now that game was at Charlotte as Eric Macklin is in high demand taking phone calls. Um, I got dogs. I've got phone calls. What else? Look, what else Max do we want? Max in high demand, y'all. <laughs> it's game week, is Duke what it is. Cover, it's game week. Um, I'm, I'm with I you. Okay I'm, I'm with you. I'm taking Duke as well, um, and I, I'm going under here. You know, again with these offenses, we we just have to see them right, and we have to see what they can do, who they're going to be. You know, from a year ago, and especially losing you know such a huge piece of running back that Duke did. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see who can they, you know, be as an identity and from an identity standpoint moving forward. All right, we've got four more games left, all Saturday games. We've got Boston College and Rutgers, a battle for the Northeast noon ACCN. BC is a seven-point favorite. The last time we saw Rutgers, they were replacing A and M because they were brave enough to play Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. So shout out to Rutgers for doing that. Um, BC, I saw this stat on Twitter today. BC is the only ACC team to return a 3,000-yard passer, 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver. BC, I think, is going to handle their business offensively here with Jerk being healthy. Their defense, you know, one of the best pass defenses in the country. I think BC gets it done. And I feel weird just keep taking these ACC teams to cover, <laughs> but I really do think BC covers the seven. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and I think that just goes to speak about quarterback play, right? When you when yeah, you have a yeah. guy in Jerkovic that, that is so experienced, um, you, you feel better about that. But for him, th- this is the year. Like I need to see a significant jump. I need him to be healthy the entire year and, and to really be that guy that, you know, we know he can be. First of all, that starts by getting Zay Flowers the football uh, so many opportunities that, you know, Zay screaming down the field wide open a year ago. And, you know, the BC QB that was not Phil Dracovic that was in, you know, just couldn't hit him and couldn't get right. him the rock. You know, the plethora of guys that, that tried to do that. So get him involved, see some other receivers really make it happen. Uh, will be interesting to see with Patrick Garwo the third, just how involved he's going to be. You know, obviously BC ran the ball a ton last year when, when five went out. You know, what is that going to look like, especially mm-hmm. – with five new offensive linemen, KG, um, it'll be interesting to see. But I think, you know, QB, running back, wide receiver, those three are good enough to where you feel comfortable about this. So I'm taking BC with the points, and I think I'm still going to stay under just because. (laughs) Just because. Week one. Mac, this next game scares me to my core. Yikes. (laughs) Going to be clear. I'm scared. North Carolina at App State. Noon game, 
ESPNU. Thank I God like it's a noon, noon game. game. Thank God it's a noon game. Yes, I really like that. UNC's a one and a half point favorite. Whew, okay. App State is pretty darn good. I think them and Coastal are going to fight it out for the Sun Belt. App went 10 and 4 last year. They barely lost at Miami. That game was very scary for Miami. Chase Bryce, the Clemson and Duke transfer, is a gunslinger. He will turn the ball over at times, but he is a gunslinger. App had a top 25 rush defense last year. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't love that <laughs> for uh, UNC and allowing them to establish the run. And, of course, the only time that App and UNC have met this century, which is surprising to me, <laughs> that they've only played once this century. But App, of course, was FCS for a while. App beat UNC 34-31. to 31 in 2019. And I think that was are a Keenan, right? That, that was at it home. Was. It Ooh, was. Buddy. Are you as worried as me, Mac? Can you talk me off the ledge? No, no, no. I think you should be worried. I think you absolutely should be worried. I think that this App State team is is a really, really good football team that has a veteran quarterback that has a couple of running backs and Cameron Peoples and, and Nate Noel that are very good players. And, and obviously the offensive line tradition, their head coach was an offensive lineman, and the defense is, is stout, as you just said. But the, the one silver lining uh, is that UNC has their guy. And UNC feels really good about their quarterback in Drake May. And, and he you know, drastically, dramatically introduced himself to college football yeah, a, a week ago you know, with five passing touchdowns to start his season. So I, I feel good about him offensively. Not sure where Downs is. You know, he, he's a guy that was a little bit banged up. I've seen him on some injury reports. Hopefully he'll be fine and, and play. But listen, the, the tight ends and, and surrounding cast stepped up. You know, I, I thought that they looked really well. And obviously that starts with your quarterback distributing that rock and getting out to them. But, uh, you know, certainly a game to keep your eye on. That a little North Carolina rivalry is going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun, though. Because UNC struggled defensively against FAMU, and has struggled. I know Gene Chizik still in the process of taking that thing over. Mac Brown says he's a miracle worker. Well, actually, I think Greg McElroy said that on our podcast. <laughs> Mac definitely believes in him. Can you force turnovers? I think that's something that UNC is going to have to do in this game. And Chase Bryce, throughout his career at many different places, has had a propensity to put the ball in jeopardy. So I think that could be a real positive for North Carolina. And Drake may, just have to, Drake may has to go out there and, and do what he has done and what he did in game one. I think this game is back and forth. I think that the the win total or the the number here to me is over. I think this is back and forth. I'm going to say UNC wins, therefore they cover because it's one and a half. If you're going to take UNC, you might as well take them to cover here. <laughs> but it worries me. I'm also excited because I think it's going to be fun and an offensive type game. I'm with you, KG. Come on, we're back on the same page. I'm going over as well. I think both these offenses are you know, going to kind of have their way this day. And and I'm certainly going UNC. It's a pick them. So, you know, whoever basically, you know, you choose that point point total being so low. So the, the one thing, kind of my key, this isn't a big three, but I'm giving you a key, is this defensive line for North Carolina has to step up. I mean, this is the type of game that you can impact. A, a team that wants to run the football, that's going to put in, you know, three different running backs to get that thing done. If you can eliminate that, man, you feel like you're in a really, really good spot. So I know that Tony Grimes is injured. I know they're going to have some question marks in the secondary for UNC. But, man, just dominate up front. Be who we know you can. All those stars, all that talent, and go get it done. Um, If not, I mean, you're going to get flat-out embarrassed, to be quite frank. And they should. I think this is a really good test 
for a lot of those young four stars and five stars mm-hmm. on the D-line for North Carolina. Can you show up in a game like this where all App State wants is to beat you? Can you, as Mac Brown told us, can you look like you're supposed to look? Right. Can you look better than you look on the bus? Which is right. what Mac Brown has been saying about this D-line. So can't wait for that game. Our last two games, Mac, just give me a key for each of these. Both these games are not they're um both well actually Miami's on ACCN Virginia's on um, ESPN plus and ACC network extra because these are just games that are against lower schools but we've got Miami playing Bethune Cookman that's at 3:30 on ACCN we've got Virginia and Richmond 12:30 p.m. Give me something you're watching with both these games. Yeah, really. You know, the beginning of the Tony Elliott era, right? And Coach yep. E jacked up for my brother as, as he starts this journey. And, and you know, he, they'll be welcoming Richmond uh, to Charlottesville there. So I'm excited to see Brennan Armstrong. I uh, think he's going to be throwing the ball all over the yard. What is this offense really going to look like? You know, with, with their offensive coordinator in Kitchings, he, he's a guy that – you know, it's outside zone type of guy, Coach Kitchens, excuse me, outside zone guy. Tony, Tony Elliott's an inside zone guy. Virginia a year ago threw it a billion times a, a year. So what is they it going to be? Well, throw the ball guy. Right. So what is, what is this offense going to be? I mean, this this Virginia wide receiver room, one of the deepest in the country, led by Wicks, Wicks there. So excited to see offensively what Virginia is going to be. And then for the Miami Hurricanes and Mario Cristobal, Coming home, their first game. Excited it's on our yep. network. Excited we get to, you know, see that up close and personal. And really just to see this, you know, first look at TVD and Coach Gaddis and the Hurricanes offensively, you know, who are they going to be? Is it going to be more Michigan-ish with what we saw from Gaddis a year ago where it's ground and pound and it's getting those big tight ends involved and then it's some deep shots over the middle where, you know, you have a guy in, in Rooster and Jalen Knighton and, you know, Henry Paris, the transfer from Ole Miss that – you feel really good about a couple of guys injured behind them, but we've got two guys less roll and an offensive line that is still healing and, and should be better. So excited for both these offenses in Miami and Virginia. And, you know, think they can, they can make some noise. Mac, what a time to be alive. I mean, just, <laughs> we got five straight days. Well, no, four straight left of ACC football and, we still are going to preview Clemson Georgia Tech on our Monday episode. We'll recap all these games. And if you missed any of our spread picks, you can go back and listen to this episode, but you can also find all of them on Twitter. And if you're listening to this, respond when we post our picks and tell tell me, tell us which one of us you're betting on this year. Which one of us is going to have the better record against the spread? That that will uh, will be fun to see. Who That's does. right. And then send the invoice to Kelly. I'm not responsible for any of them. So she she's the <laughs> oh, master. For the money you actually spend. That, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Send it, send it all to her. But guys, that's it. We're here. It's freaking game day eve. It's game day for some. Uh, there's so many different games. We're so excited. As KG said, Sunday we will be back to talk about the games that are happening Monday and break it all down for you guys. But that's it for us. Another great episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane. Thank you for tuning in. Go over to SiriusXM, download the app, get in your car, get on your radio station, but also go to YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. It's been so fun to see that thing grow and and the interaction that we have with you guys over there. And, of course, the OGs on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate you guys always. But until next time, we'll see you.